guys and girls and everybody. This is Lissa Mandel from the Bitch Seat Podcast. As some of you may know, we are a part of the Atlantic Transmission Network, which is a network that puts out all kinds of great podcasts. A great way to support our show and our sister shows is to visit theatlantictransmission.com and click on the Amazon link at the top of the homepage. It's all the same great Amazon stuff at the same great price, but we get a small piece for sending you there. So if you want to keep shows like The Bitch Seat going, keep us happy, then, uh, you know, throw in your pennies. You don't even have to pay anything extra. Hi, campers. Rise it's Lissa. Rise and shine. It's, that's Lissa. <laughs> I'm Phil. And this is the Bitch Seat Podcast. Uh, the summer has wound down. It's September 4th. Day of the live show at QED, by the way. If you're listening now, you should show up at QED in Queens at 8 p.m. tonight. I know. We're going We're going right from the studio to QED to do another bitch seat. We're doing them twice yeah, in one day. the magic of radio. I know. It's wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And also having a car to get you from, from New York. Thank you, Phil. Manhattan to Queens. Thank you for being my cool boyfriend with a car. That's right. I'd hate to be your uncool boyfriend without a car. I don't like him. Well, worse would be if you were an uncool boyfriend with a car and I were using you for it. That's, that's, I mean, still a jury's out on that. No, it's probably, it's fine. Stop. I'm kidding. So we're going to kick this off with a real short, or a little short one from uh, the, uh, what do you call this book, Phil? The Untitled? What, oh, uh, 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 Unplugged. Uh, the Unplugged. The Unplugged. It's a, it's a black and white composition notebook. It's not a diary. It's just where I put my, some of my writings, you know, <laughs> when I was an, when I was an old uh, Russian literature novelist. At the tender age in of 13. Siberia at 11. Yes. 11. Oh, yes. Um, so here's a, here's a little writing. I don't even remember what it was for, but whatevs. The shepherd's flute echoes in the evening air, swirling with the last hints of summer scents. The final summer sunset brings a feeling of calm serenity. Shadows are like puddles all over the land. They grow larger as Lady Night sweeps overhead with her cape of purple darkness and her veil of twinkling stars. Another summer comes and goes, Another story to close up and put on the shelf. <laughs> no, that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Oh, I, I told you it was a short one. That's that's great. That's so telling. Oh my goodness. Well, first of all, it's appropriate for the end of summer. You yes, know? absolutely. But uh, Lady Night sweeps across <laughs> overhead. I'm telling you, I'm an 85 year old in the body of an 11 or 12. What did year old. Lady Night look like to you? How was she best personified to you? I, I mean, I feel like maybe I saw Fantasia a few too many times. <laughs> so I think my idea of Lady Knight is like, maybe like a Chagall painting of a woman whose dress or cape is the night sky. So as she flies over, like her cape is oh, like the darkness cool. covering over the, 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 the daytime. And, um, but then once she's done that, like where does she sit down? Or does she have to like oh. stand up and hold her cape up for the entirety of eight hours until the sun comes I up? I think it just it takes her it takes her um, eight hours to go across the sky to cause the night, and so she just keeps going. She's tired. She's probably tired, but I mean, if she's also flying eight hours, she doesn't think of tired. That's not that's a construct to her that she is not familiar. You know, she might look a little bit like Lady Liberty. And to be honest, I don't know if you read this recently. There now, of course, I'm, I'm terrible, and I don't know where I read it, but it was some reliable source that speculated that Lady Liberty looked like a man. Did you hear about this? Mm, no. 
manly features, you know, that the, we, we inherited the statue from France and... It kind of looks like the David. possibly a man. Yes. She's a little androgynous. You know, she's, she's got some chiseled face bones. I like it. I'm into I it. I like it too. I mean, she's French, so they, they definitely... I don't know what that means, but Ghostbusters too. She's like, I wonder if they, she shaves under there. She's French. Whatever. I hope she the doesn't. One you know what? I hope she doesn't. Movie. Do you know what's... A, here's a cool fun fact. One of my great-grandfathers... Um, put the uh, the gold on the torch of really? the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, one of one of my uh, great great grandfathers uh, came in from Ellis Island, um, and he was named the his last name was uh, it was given to him. It was the name of the town that he he came from. Not really. No, that's that's wait. That's Vito Corleone. That's oh, I'm mistaking it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> close enough. Cl- close enough. Yeah, yeah. We were we were Andalinis first, and then we were given the name Casal. Wait. What no, I- no, I'm kidding. Okay, watch The Godfather too. Um, okay, if I must, I'll did go you, back. Have you not watched? The Godfather of course, II? I've seen them all. It was a long time you ago. You say though. that. Okay, fine. fine. Listen, it's an important part of your culture, so I'm going to watch it again. It's not an important part of my culture. It's an important part of my Sunday afternoons. Whenever it was on, like it was just on on the TV. I don't think I ever had a choice. In the so matter. it was Casino. Yeah, Casino. That uh, Godfather, and then and and sometimes Good Goodfellas. I feel like never really came on. Yeah, but that as you can watch it. Casino. You could watch Goodfellas over and over At and over again and never get tired in. of it. Yeah. And well, because you've come to this restaurant uh, in New Haven. Yes. There's a restaurant in New Haven called Goodfellas. Absolutely. And Goodfellas. they have a big TV in there, and they just play Goodfellas on a loop. And that's are you TV. kidding me? I'm not kidding you. But oh, they man. do have the best meatballs I've ever eaten in my life. I wonder if uh, if at night, if like a guy comes in with a girl and she's got like a really luxurious like fur coat, they have the host be like, what are you doing? What is this? What is yeah, this? They have, they, have an, they have an improv everywhere kind of thing. I hope where so. like Where like actors come in and actually like do <laughs> Goodfellas like live in the restaurant. And then they, you know. You just always hear the, the Ray Liotta actor just laughing. At the height of his volume. Part. <laughs> uh, let's bring on our guest Sweet. today. Sweet. So our guest today uh, came to us through a, a, a previous guest, um, Jen Keefe, who is a delight. And um, this guy uh, is a comic. He's so funny. I laugh at everything he says on Facebook. And he also is a cook. And I want to eat everything that he cooks. So um, without further ado, we're going to bring on Adele Alizade. So we can see Adele at the end of a long hallway in school. All the lockers are open with like papers and shit falling out of them. And Adele's got a backwards hat on. He's wearing big hammer pants and uh, maybe a whistle around his neck. And he's kind of strolling Probably by. Like a, like a, the, slow motion. Yeah, like a, the, was it the Stussy? Stussy? Oh yeah, Stussy. Or maybe, maybe yeah, some kind of, some kind of yeah. like ska band shirt yeah. maybe and uh he's walking down the hallway and it kind of jump cuts like every so often so he's like closer and closer and closer and meanwhile <laughs> you see the girl's heads on either side turn in slow motion and look at him hi yeah. adele hey hello welcome uh, not a bad not a bad observation uh except for i had instead of a whistle around my neck it was the hemp lanyard with the <gasps> nice. mushroom glass <laughs> That's awesome. adele how old jink. were you when you started smoking weed uh, honestly, college. I, I was too afraid to smoke in high school. Me too. Uh, Same. I had I embraced the culture since like sixth grade. Like I listened to Cottonmouth Kings and mm. stuff like that. But like I was always way too afraid. And I did actually the night of graduation, I smoked for the first time in high school. And how? Oh, how? What was your experience with that? Um, I mean, I definitely got high for the first time, and I think still to this day is like the best eight hours of sleep I ever got. I, I still remember. <laughs> I guess like, it was an indica. 
It must have been. I, I was my, my friend was this hydro like that was the way you like sold better weed back then. It was like you either paying twenty a gram or twenty five a gram, and it was like it's hydro like paying twenty five. So I feel like we all, we all sort of started in the same smoking around this right around the same time. Yeah. Now, I, well, <coughs> I'm sorry. Were strains <coughs> as prevalent and uh, as they were now? I feel like. Well, I didn't learn any of that stuff until more me recently. Neither. I think so. I remember. I remember like. Uh, looking at high times and like middle school and high school and like they had all like the, I don't think it was as like crazy as it is now with the names and stuff. But I remember they had like purple and they had Kush and yeah. And now it's, now it's insane. You can go on Leafly and there's, you know, every kind of hybrid that you could ever want. Well, yeah. I mean like now there's a bunch of States where it's like legally you can, you can do whatever you want with it. So they got mad scientists out there just like crossing shit. It's crazy what's happened in our, in our lifetimes. What year did you graduate high school? Uh, 2006. Oh, so you're you're even younger. Yeah. I graduated in 01. Uh, you graduated in what, 02? 02, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of my friends were actually into weed culture, but I didn't smoke. I just thought they were cool. I liked the candles. You know, I oh, liked yeah. the hemp jewelry, for sure, the blown glass, all that stuff. But the actual herb, I didn't smoke until I was in college. And then I was like, oh. But did you feel like you wish you had smoked in high school? No, because no. I, See, yeah. I, was, I was like... I mean, you don't know me super well yet, Adele, but I was like a schoolie to the max. Like I was A plus, I was the valedictorian of my high school. So there was like no room for any kind of substances whatsoever. I was on a fucking mission to get out of that town uh, the best way I could. (laughs) So, um, that's what, that's a good way. I think the same thing. I don't think I'd go back. I was like a pretty good student and I was was a swimmer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I definitely was, because they drug tested swimmers all the time. Like randomly, I'd be way too afraid. And and you grew up in? New Orleans. New Orleans, yeah. Well, outside. Like my parents live in the suburbs called Destrahan, which uh it's kind of white trash. Is it? A little bit. I mean it's it's nice. It's like my parents live in like a nicer subdivision. But when I first when we were, when I was growing up, like before I was like twelve, we moved, mm-hmm. but that place we lived before was kinda it's kinda scummy. When did you leave? Were you uh did you go into college uh right uh before Katrina? Uh no, Katrina was my senior year of high school. Oh my okay. god, I have so many questions. Well, you wanted to talk about this anyway. Which yeah. Is- uh, well, I mean, nobody really wants. Well, not I mean, want to. Well, no, but it's, it's relevant end. to you. Well, yeah, I, I think everybody um it was weird because, you know, your senior year is like the one you look forward to and I guess none of, you know, nothing you never expected anything like that to happen. We didn't we were right. in school for 3 months, like all the schools were and then when we did finally go back like all the schools, all the area schools, like went to one school. Like we went from school from like six a.m. to one p.m., and then another school came in from two to like nine p.m. at night. Wow! For like the next six months, and then I think the last couple months they finished in New Orleans. They finished at their own schools. Like a lot of them got back up and running, and it's pretty amazing, honestly. I think like the from the amount of destruction that happened, like the the turnaround, like the people that came back, like you know, like kind of realized that the place was a lot better than they had expected or they thought, and like there was like a whole new renewed. Self, I feel like a lot of the same thing with 9 11. Like, you know, like, mm-hmm. one, like it became like a very proudful city and everybody mm-hmm. was like really excited and the whole NOLA rebirth thing started. Well, yeah, I mean, it's the whole, it's the whole near death experience, you know, causes you to reevaluate, uh, realize how valuable what you have is and the people that you have around are. And um, I think that 9 11 definitely did that for New York. I think it also caused the prices of everything to go up and the gentrification to explode like crazy because yeah. everybody was like, oh, we love New York. Well, it became a status symbol. Yeah, we there, love it so much that we're going to tear down all the stuff uh, that made it New Yorkish. Yeah. Well, I mean, 
Sorry, I got very angry. You for just scared well, no, like a I, thousand miles into my soul. New Orleans a little bit too, actually. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of people moved into New Orleans because they like they felt like it was like the hip thing to do. New Orleans right. is a like, huge hipster scene now, and it's like crossover with the gutter punks, and everybody just smells like shit. It's like, come on, man. yeah. Film, there's a big filming industry now too. It's it's growing. oh yeah. Well, Treme and all that. Yeah, great show. Really. Yeah. Well, David Simon, hello. Yeah, hello. Absolutely. The wire. The wire. Um. Uh. But yeah, so your senior year, so um, so take it back before that, because one of the artifacts that you brought for us is this photograph of you with a fuck ton of medals around your neck. Yeah. So so tell the listeners about that. I uh, I spent most. I mean, I my parents pushed me in athletics more, I guess, than academics, and I was like a swimmer from like I started swimming when I was six. Oh wow. And. I don't know. My parents, like my dad, like was Persian. So like my dad pushed me really hard in it. And like, I hated it for most of my life, but it was like the way I was going to go to college. It was like, you know, my parents weren't like super rich. They weren't like poor, but like they knew they weren't going to be able to send me to a good school. So like if you swim, it's like a good chance you can get a scholarship to a good school. And I wanted to go to Princeton mm-hmm. and like, why Princeton of all the well, IVs? I think because they have a, a decent swim program, but it wasn't like the best, but it was like the best school with like the shittiest swim program. So like, uh, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. I was like a great football player, I probably wouldn't play for a best football school. I want to go to like Stanford and play football there. Yeah, you want to be a, so get a, a good big education. athletic fish in a small athletic pond and also sure quality. Academic. I really just wanted to be able to get a good degree somewhere and yeah. then... I mean, I was, like, a great – I was, like, I'm not an amazing swimmer, but I was a good enough swimmer, and I trained, like, basically through my whole junior year and didn't swim, the, like, the big meet at my junior year because I wanted to train for that senior year. Mm-hmm. And swimming in the South is the first semester. Like, and I know up here swimming is the spring semester, but in the South – so, like, we didn't swim for three months. So, like, basically all that training was for nothing because, like, nobody was in the water. Like, because – everything was closed and like everybody was like just you know relocated for a long time and so like all of us were out of shape and there was only a couple of us that were seniors that year so it was kind of like it wasn't as big of a deal but like for me and my coach I he had been my coach for like eight years and Mm -hmm. I think he was like more upset about it than I was so I dropped the only AP class I was taking after the first swim practice back I was like you know what I'm just gonna go to a state school and that's why I quit swimming and it's because at that point it seemed pointless so uh how like how did that shake out like how did you feel about that were you in mourning or were you actually like yes I don't have to swim anymore because it wasn't really your thing to begin with it was that your dad was pushing you well I guess I think somewhere like when I was like in like my junior year I kind of or my sophomore year I was kind of like okay like this isn't the worst thing and I know like I can get somewhere with it so I was a little bummed I mean obviously I was bummed about it but I was like I get to finally do something different and I'd been playing other sports uh, for a long time and I ended up starting playing rugby and I played rugby my Ooh, that's senior a year. One, right? Yeah, it was way more fun. Like I just didn't have to worry about anything. And then I started. I played in college at LSU, and mm-hmm. those are like the best memories I have from uh, college. It's like because it was like being in a fraternity without having to be a douchebag. It was nice. like all like we nice. all we did drink all the time, and all the people I had, like we had a lot of friends and got to travel a lot. And mm-hmm. it was like most of the school paid for a lot of it, so like because it was inexpensive. So, so as with everything else, everything happened for a reason. Yeah, and if yeah. you had gone to be a swimmer. Who knows? I probably wouldn't have done comedy. Yeah, I know. Swimmers take themselves super seriously. You have to, because it's like you're. It's, it's like track. You know, it's like a solo sport. Like it's all on you. Right. So when you suck, it's just, it, you it's have no one else to blame. Well, yeah. interesting, Adele, because that's what comedy is like too. Yeah, and right. I know. You know, like when I went from being, uh, I, I went, I started with improv, 
And then, you know, I was doing indie teams and then I was kind of doing some, a little bit of two prov and stuff. And then I was like, no, I don't really want to share this with anybody. I just have some shit to say and I don't want to be interrupted. It's wait, I think, <laughs> cause then you're like, and when you do improv, I feel like you're only as strong as your weakest link. Exactly. Which is yeah. why there's so much bad, bad improv. improv. Yep. You could be as good as you, you, you could be one of the best, but if you have a shitty partner and you're keeping them there as a nicety because you have to keep them on the team because without them, like they may, they're the connector or like they're friends with other folks. It's hard. Cause then you, you feel like you find you have to play around them with, which breeds resentment. Yeah. And then you got to find that like, let me try. Yeah. There's all this bone. interpersonal drama. Like you're, you're trying to reach out to them. Yeah. It's just a mess. That's why I'm not on a team anymore. Yeah, but now you have your own like solo stuff and your yeah, own character sure. stuff that you know. I but I for me I like the ensemble. I like I like. Oh, don't everybody. get me wrong. I like the ensemble too. But I'm honest with myself. I'm not very good at group work because my standards are too high and people are going to get annoyed. I uh, see. I, I think I, I well. I, well, and you understand this because you're in my quote unquote group. Yes, I understand. <laughs> but for me, group work's great because I, I know how to support. Like I'm absolutely you do. So I, I like to go that way. It's unfortunate. Sometimes I find I'm supporting, uh, something that pr- I probably should probably just, just launch out with the, I shouldn't support. Hit me, hit where's me our, with the, where's our sad give, me, give me the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Producer Ken, he will cutting us for it. time. Anyway. Um, so, um, so, Regarding comedy then. Yes. When did this begin when, for you? What, yeah. Did you, did you have any, were any seeds planted like while you were young in that regard? Oh yeah. Um, I can remember watching George Carlin as a kid. Oh just, yes. The best. Just, oh, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and you know, it's like, I can remember being really young and watching George Carlin and like not even really understanding what he was saying, but he would say fucking shit and pussy. And I'd be like, yeah. oh, this is awesome. I was like, yeah. you know, nine. Shit and I'm like, fuck, cocksuck a motherfucker, tits. <laughs> but I think for me, uh, the first thing ever was in the eighth grade, I, um, I watched John Leguizamo's Freak. Oh, and so good. Like, to me, I don't know if there's a better <laughs> form, like a performance of comedy. Because to hear it's on two levels. I once, I, uh, at this point, I was like a class clown. I love getting of the attention. Of course you were. I fucking knew it. And it's like, and I was an asshole to teachers and stuff because I was also smart, but I couldn't like. I was, you know, I was like a B, a, B student. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, I, I had ADHD, and my parents didn't test me for it because my dad didn't believe in it. He's like, oh, that's a made up disease by white people. I'm like, okay, well, you know. <laughs> mom's white. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I'll never forget because I watched the whole thing and I was so enthralled by it because his dad that he talks about is like, it's just like, he's like my dad's like a Middle Eastern version of this guy who's like my dad, he was like very hard on him and they came to, you know, came to America with nothing in his pocket, which is always bullshit. Like you have to, to get to America, you had to have some Something. sort of, cause like not everybody's swimming here. Okay. So it's like right. most of the people like, you know, like my dad got lucky, he got a scholarship. And so, but I remember coming to class the next day and my, it was a speech class and my teacher wasn't, she was late. So I got up and I was like reciting all the stuff and I wasn't editing any of it out. And my friends were all laughing so hard, but most of them were laughing because my teacher had walked in, but she didn't say anything. So she was behind me and eventually I realized and she's like, I need to see you after class. And I was like, okay. So she gave me a three day detention and then asked me to do that, perform that in a speech tournament for a high school speech tournament. So I was like, oh really? So I ended up doing it and I was the only person in eighth grade doing this thing. And I got third out of like, like 60 people. That's amazing. And like, I was, it was like the most 
amazing thing I ever did. And then I ended up going to a different high school and I did theater and stuff like, you know, a little bit there and speech mm-hmm. and debate. But like that for me, like John Leguizamo, like for sure is like the, one of the main reasons why I do it just cause like he, like it's fun. Cause like when you go through like a kind of a shitty, I didn't have a shitty childhood, but my dad was hard on me. It's so, nice to be able to get rid of that as an outlet. It's like, I can tell everybody how awful it was. Oh yeah. Well to have, just to have a way to, um, to like release the pressure a little bit in like a safe, in a, in a safe, like, um, non bad kid way. Like if you're performing, that's a, it's like a respectable way yeah. to let off some steam. So your dad, uh, is Persian, you said. Yes. And when did he move to this country? Uh, 1977. He came here right before the revolution. Oh, and damn. Yeah. He got lucky. Yeah. I don't think he would have been able to get here. Um, and he went to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the first, I think he was there for a semester and he hated it because everybody's so racist. College Station, Texas oh, is like, God, it's like in the and, 70s. And yeah. it was bad. And then, like, uh, my dad says, like, one of his early memories of uh, moving here was there's this, there's this, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Walton and Johnson, they're uh, radio hosts, Mm-mm. but they're in the South, but they've gotten in trouble more than like any, like more than Howard Stern for like racial stuff. And what there, there was a, there was a guy who was a serial killer who was killing black people by dragging them behind the truck. (sighs) And every time somebody would die on the radio, they play another one bites the dust. And like my my dad, like that was like my dad's first memory. Like, man, he's like, man, these Americans don't play around. (laughs) It's like, this is all fun. So then he moved to New Orleans. And he found that to be better. A little bit. I think even (laughs) New Orleans is pretty liberal outside. If you drive 20 minutes outside that city, you find a lot of Trump support and crazy. Yeah. All the toothless, uh, but people the city itself is pretty. And I feel like New Orleans is also a city is such a hodgepodge of people who were immigrants themselves at some point. Oh, um, yeah. Like in the recent past and, um, you know, the whole Creole thing and the, the French and everything. Yeah. Thanks for a good cuisine. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So um, were you you cook a lot? Yeah, I do. Yeah. Were you taught that by by your parents? Did your dad bring some Persian specialties over that he wanted to teach? No, my uh, my dad is not a great cook at all. Uh, like, <laughs> Sorry, Dad. No, I mean he's he um, he can he does like the barbecue really well. Like, but my mom actually learned from my grandmother, and my mom knew how to bake and stuff. She's a pretty good cook. She taught me and my brother like the basics, and then I kind of I worked in a, a kitchen for about nine months. Oh, God bless. And I was it was cool. I had never I I was hired to be a bartender. And then they were like, oh, it's like, we don't have, we're, their oh, restaurant was opening. And they're like, we only have one chef that you would you like, you want to cook? And I was like. This is in New Orleans or here in New York? Uh, this is in New Orleans. I mean, Louisiana. It was like, where my, it was like in the sub, uh, where my parents lived, like the mm-hmm. city. And uh, they actually had one of these restaurants in New Orleans. And I worked at that one for a little bit. But it was just a fun, like, different job. Like, you, I learned a whole new skill in like a very short amount of time and. I could cook like 30 steaks at a time at what? different temperatures now. Like that's just amazing. Because you have like, that's all you have to learn how to do. And like, it was like a whole different. So then I started cooking more at like my, like my house and I just started getting into it. Like smoking and then cooking something fun. Like I'm getting ready to produce a web series. that's like all about that. And it's going to be, awesome. uh, I'm, I'm really excited about Does it. Does it have a name yet? Yeah. It's called Chronic Kitchen. Oh my nice. God. Shut up. No, I'm, <laughs> I am on board. I am in your audience. Yeah. Yes. I'm like, yes. I, um, basically I, the idea was, was like, I'm just going to basically get baked and cook something like oh. munchy. And I was going to bring comics on to like, you know, have guest cooks and stuff like that. And uh, the, I actually uh, like, I've like had a lot of people be like, dude, I would totally do that. Like some like really big name like, chefs and stuff too. And yes. I was like, really? You'd want to do that? And they're like, yeah, that sounds like a fun idea. So now it's like, 
I just got to do the first night. We were supposed to film it tomorrow, and I can't, so I'm doing it next weekend. Oh, the that's The first one should amazing. come out sometime in, like, September. So. Good luck with that. That is very cool. Yeah, we'll see. like, so much fun. It so, should be fun. Do, so your parent? well, okay, your mom is from where? My mom is actually, was born in San Diego, but, like, mm. she's a Navy brat, so she lived all over. Got uh, you. But my grandparents are actually from, like, northern Louisiana, like, super redneckville. Uh, well, not quite, actually, Lafayette, so it's, like, southeast. Like, it's, like, you know, two hours from uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. I bet they've I bet they've all seen a lot of ghosts, a lot of ghosts. I mean, I'm sure everybody claims to see stuff down there, uh, but there's some like really creepy like. like you know, my thing is like I don't want to mess with it. Like I'm not trying to actively go into a thing that people have said is haunted, but I'm also not like telling stories about it. So. Oh, so you don't want to you don't want to uh, talk about that? Experience. I mean, I, I I've never really had an experience. I guess I've 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 I don't know like you no, think you, you think you have and like sometimes you're just like am I drunk or is it like because I I feel like. Uh, I used to work at the House of Blues in New Orleans. Very and, cool. And that was actually one of my favorite jobs. Uh, there was one time when I was in the green room and I watched the curtain kind of just like flop up. And I was like, yeah, I didn't even walk to the other side of the room. I just immediately like walked out. Like it was just like, you know, what? I'm not messing around with it. But supposedly there's a lot of creepy shit. In that. Mm-hmm. That's a, did you meet Dan Aykroyd there? I did. I've nice. met, I met him a few times because uh, we had, uh, my friend and I ran a comedy show down there. Like he started it and like we both started uh, doing it. We got Daryl Hammond to do it a couple times because he was living down there. What? How old were you when you did this? This was, uh, it's about four or five years ago. My okay. friend still runs it down there. So every Thursday in New Orleans, uh, the House of Blues, go check it out. Uh, but we had uh, one night we used to promote the show, and one day he was Dan Aykroyd was walking in. I was like, "Hey, we got a free comedy show. You should come check it out." I was like, oh, "Okay." And then I was like, you know, "We got Daryl Hammond on tonight," and he stopped. They turn around. And he goes, "My buddy Daryl." And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "Ah." Oh. And he took a flyer. He didn't come, but like I, oh it, but it was like he was all he was also really he was just like a really nice guy. He's like you know I I'm never so really had like that. long conversations with him, but like he was never like a dick to anybody. Yeah, uh, he was my that was he was my favorite cameo in Ghostbusters. Spoilers. Yeah, yeah he was nice. my favorite. I. I know stories about him. Like somebody, one of my friends, when she was a kid, she told him she was at one of his House of Blueses, and she told him that she loved nothing but trouble. And he apparently laughed for ten minutes and then gave them a giant dessert. I'm <laughs> sure. No one likes nothing, but I love nothing but trouble myself. But I've actually never seen it. Yeah, me neither. It's super. It's just You'll a have great to band. Carry the mantle of that. Good. He plays like five different characters. It's amazing. Uh, he's awesome. He's great. Anyway, but back to your comedy stuff. What was what was the basis of that show? Like how that how that start? Uh, what's the 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 show that you were running? Uh, uh his friend his friend runs it. Your, your friend, but oh, he had already. St- uh, he like the scene in New Orleans is actually like it's a it's a small but strong scene. Like uh, there were there's like a bunch of you know there's like a smaller group of comics, but there's a bunch of really good shows every week. Like the House of he was running it, and I ended up just getting a job working there, and we both like started promoting it, and. Then I ended up, like, I moved, so I stopped, you know, running the show. Gotcha. But it's, like, it was weird because that area is, like, all tourists. So it's not locals from New Orleans that live there. So it was, like, the closest thing to a comedy club. Because every week it was mm-hmm. different people. And we'd always pack it out because the French Quarter is always crowded. And it was just a, we did a mic on Tuesdays and then a, a show on Thursdays. And it was all, like, it's rare to do a show with, like, a mic with people. And it was, like, mm-hmm. you'd, you'd have 120 people at this mic, like, watching. So you could do new stuff That's in front of. That's amazing. It was really fun. Like, my friend Leon was, like, he's, like, just thought he had, like, the opportunity to start it. And then, like, it just, like, really took off. And then you really get to practice, like, with an audience from the very, very yeah. beginning. I think that actually being, because that was, like, my first year into comedy. Like, that was, like, one of the more bigger benefits of me. Because I got to do that every week. Yeah. And it was, like, I got a lot stronger as a comedian and Obviously, moving to New York really helped too. Um, when you were um, 
when you were little and you were the class clown, did your teachers ever, like, did you ever have a moment where your teacher was like, maybe not pleased with you, but maybe underneath, like, they were thinking, oh, this kid is going to definitely go somewhere in comedy. Like, did you, yeah, I feel like sometimes you can see the glint in the teacher's eye when they're like, okay, I'm, I'm supposed to discipline you, but I see where you're going. I, so I had this um, science teacher that hated me uh, in sixth grade. Mm-hmm. And like, he was, we didn't know if he was gay or not, but like, he like, he, cause you can't, you can't really come out. It was right. back then. It was like, it was more like touchy. And um, we did sexual, we were doing a, like a sex ed one day and he made a joke. He's like, what's long and hard and has semen in it. And I just yelled out a dick. And like, he, cause like, I well, was, what else could it possibly it's be? It's a submarine. Uh, that's oh. the, that's, that's like the joke. And, uh, I knew what the punchline was, but yeah. I, I just, I just yelled it out. I was like a dick. And like, he laughed and he was, so he gave, I got in trouble for it, but he laughed <laughs> yes. and he like, he was red the face and I was kind of like, Oh, like I got you. Like, yeah. like, but he hated me, like hated me. My mom actually, he, it's a little scandalous. Like mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I studied for this. My mom, like helped me study. I was like sixth grade for the exam. And I got like a 50 on it. And my mom was like, like for the whole summer, I was like grounded. Cause I got a, I got a D in the class. So like I was grounded for the whole summer. And then like my mom was back and forth with email with him. And then finally, like I got to go over my exam with my mom and him. And like, he had used the wrong key and I actually got a 95 on the what? exam. And my mom, like, it was like being a, it was like my first thing, like being a prisoner. Like I was in prison for three months and they yeah. found out, oh, actually you weren't guilty the whole time. And I was, I remember being, I hate it. From then on out, I was like, dude, like when I grow up, if I see you, I'm not going to be one of the students like, oh, you know what? You better my, like you almost ruined my life. Like I, yes. Like, well, cause did you have to, I mean, he's, were you going to have to take that class again? No. Cause like I, I technically passed it. It was like, you know, like life science or something like that in sixth grade. And I just remember my mom, like, like, cause I think that supposedly he had told my mom that he had checked over. Cause I'm like, it was such a low score that my mom yeah. was like, she's like, you know, like he may have not done well, but a 50, you mean he like, that means he answered one out of two questions wrong. Like I just, yeah, well, he's not that dumb. And I was like, so yeah, that was like the longest summer oh, of my life. Good on your mom for checking that out. So then yeah. when, when it was discovered, like what happened? Did you get like a cake? Did you get to go to Burger King? Like what? No, I mean, my, my mom was like, I'm sorry that happened. And then I got to, I, I think I got to go to the beach with my friend that weekend. Like it was like one of those summer <laughs> trips. And I ended up like, that was all I got. <laughs> and I ended up getting an A in the class instead of a D. Cause it like the exam was like 25% of my grade. Yeah. So that's why, and ever since then, like even like in high school, like I checked every single test I got back. And I mean, every time, like at least oh, yeah. like one out of three times, there's a couple points that your teacher missed or like, or they did it, you know, in your favor. But. I see. I, I just, I hate that. I feel like the veil was kind of, lifted from your eyes earlier than most people because I mean now what I'm 33 years old and I feel like it's been the past few years when I've really it's really hit home that the grown-ups don't know what's going on oh yeah you I know mean, but I my whole life I was like I trusted I trusted authority I was like somebody needs to know what's going on here because I am lost and this feels shitty and there has to be somebody who knows what's going on nobody knows nope, what's no, going they on don't. no not at all yeah man and it's a lot of pressure to be a grown up now and be like, Ugh, I have to raise in a younger generation of people. And what am I going to say? I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be like, mm, it sucks. It doesn't get better. Kind of yeah. gets worse. It's hard. You're the grown up. You're going to try not to wrong children now. That's your job. I know, but I'm well, going to be telling that's... them the truth and they're going to they're going to grow up like tiny little H.L. Mencken's just like I was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You ever yeah. try to go back and think about which teachers were like smoking weed and stuff like that? Now oh, that you're I a, know which. I, I, me yeah. too. Like, I think I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think back. I'm like, oh, you know what? I 
I bet Mr. Richard was totally yeah. mad the whole time. My science teacher, Miss Love, was probably a massive stoner. She also just, she'd like wear Doc Martens and like really, really long black dresses and her hair was like all out and stuff. I had to. Uh, went home and blazed. This teacher, Kathy Collenberg, twice. I had her once in first grade and then she moved to the middle school and I had her again in fifth grade and she uh, fucking loved me and she would. Oh, that's good then. Uh, oh, she was great and she wore clogs and like lots of Southwestern jewelry and like she knew where yeah, it was yeah, at, yeah. you know, and um, she <laughs> used to give out in first grade. I don't know if she still did it in fifth because we might have been too old, but like. At the end, they would, she would make these giant tape balls that she would, you know, because they used the tape to, like, put up all the posters and shit on the walls and, like, or when she was changing out the, these tape balls would accumulate. And uh, it was kind of like getting, like, a student of the week or student of the month prize. If you got the tape ball, that was a big fucking deal. And she would, like, throw it across the room to you. And she also had these little coyote pins that she would give out to people who were good. I miss Mrs. Collenberg. She was oh, yeah, great. she was high as shit. Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah, she was basically designating spirit animals to the people she, she liked. Yes. She was high as fuck. Yes, yes. All the time. She was amazing. Um, well, so before um, before we go, you've got one more um, artifact. It's one more picture oh, that yeah. uh, we will post on on uh, our Facebook page. Can't, can't wait. Um, which the viewers can't look at now, but I'm going to just describe it for them as being an extraordinarily authentic Oompa Loompa. Oh, yes, um, yes. This is... Uh, making the most please. serious face I've ever seen. I'm zooming in on this. Uh, I, oh, yeah. My, I just need to... Wow. My mom's incredible. So uh, your mom did this for you? Oh, yeah. She did everything. And um, what was this for? This was for Halloween in my eighth grade year because there was like a big competition, which I didn't win. Uh, what? How did you not win? I can't remember who won. Uh, there was a... I mean, I went to like a like a nicer school for my grammar school or lower school, whatever you call it. Uh, so there was a lot of like people with a little bit more money than my family. And my mom made all of our costumes. Like Incredible. I never, I never, my mom would never let us buy them. And I'll never forget. She made me a sub zero one time, but she accidentally made it. She accidentally made it the scorpion. Like she did the wrong color. Cause she's a mom and didn't know. And it like ruined. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it was a. It was like my mom. It was like yeah. it was like amazing quality. I was just. I was. Like, I'm not even wearing it. Like I don't even want to wear it. Are you kidding me? Mom, Scorpion's the guy who freezes people. It's stupid. <laughs> I'm so serious. Like, I didn't even get it right. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember with the Oopa Loopa one uh, last second, right before I went to school, I was opening the trunk to get my bag, and I saw my skateboard was in there. And I was like, oh, fuck it. I'm not an Oopa Looper. I'm going to be Wee Man from Jackass. And so I ended up being able to skateboard through all the halls and everything. And it was, it <gasps> was, a, that was, a, it was a good day. Oh, man. I feel like my intro for you was way more relevant than I even knew. <laughs> you have no, I used to wear Jinkos. Oh, like, yeah, dude. I know, man. Yeah. I remember I saved for like, for like two months to get a pair of Jinkos. And then my mom, uh, like, because she said the only way I could get them is if I paid for them myself. And she hemmed them. No. Without me. Like, no. that's the. <laughs> That's so how my mom like, is so passive aggressive. Oh, so then you had like flood pants. Like they were, they were bell bottom <laughs> like and she clots. hemmed them really bad. Like they were like above the ankle. So no. they just like, I didn't, I couldn't even wear them. Because did, was there a, was there kind of a silent ban on Jankos in your school? Cause I know in mine, everybody had Jankos, but then like two or three kids fell down the stairs. And like, <laughs> Oh really? Yeah. So they were like, if it's, you know, basically put on regulations about. You're going too fast on this. Jinkos yeah. is about riding slow. You know, you got to go slow. You have to. You show have those, to you gotta show those off. Along. You got the bike chain, the you know, the wallet with the bike chain. I, I mean, bike it, chain. it really is a, a, a danger to your health. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. Did you listen to, um, did you listen to ska music? Yes. yes. A lot. Uh, Real Big Fish. Oh, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, man. yeah. I've seen them live like probably 10 times too. I remember like the summer after my seventh 
and eighth grade years, I went to camp. I went to this summer program at Wellesley. And there was like a huge, like that was when ska had like exploded. And this one kid, Will, he wore a baseball cap with like a, a lobster on the front of it. But it was like a stuffed lobster that like protruded from the front of it and like gigantic jinkos. And uh, he was just like the quintessential. And, and I remember at the end of the night, like they would have, they would like play music and stuff. And people would just be dancing and hanging out on the lawn and stuff. And the ska kids would do this weird the skank. dance. The skank. Yeah, the skank. The skank, yeah. dude. It's yeah. like you're almost falling, but not quite. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was kind of like a little like kick shuffle Yeah, thing. it's like, ooh, ooh. You keep, I don't know. It's like a trip. It it's is. It's like well, a tripping. And- I mean, you can totally see how that how that arose organically from wearing those kinds oh, of Oh, absolutely. Who's your favorite ska band? Um, I mean, I kind of liked, well, I don't know if that counts. Well, listen, I love Sublime. Yes. Um. It's classic, but I have to say I love Sublime more now than I did then because, as I said, I was a straight-edge little kid. I wasn't into that. I was yeah, a dork, but same. now that I'm so into weed culture, I'm like, oh, But Sublime. now it feels like you can't like Sublime anymore. It's like, that Sublime is just so, it's hacky. It's no, that's what, Sublime uh, that's what I turned the corner on Sublime because for years I didn't like Sublime at all. You still, I thought you still didn't. I, but no, I saw a live concert. I went to, I went to see them uh, at, at uh, I think, Jones Beach, and I had so much fun because yeah. it's just fucking great. Just chilling music, and for years I just I resented it because the skaters in my in my town were very aggressive. Oh yeah, they were like for some reason they weren't chill. That's the opposite of what they're supposed I to know. be. I know they were not. They some were people just are crazy. They yeah. just would wear jankos, have skateboards, and beat people up. Oh like, no, they no, were no, fucking no, punks. No. And uh, Nutley, New Jersey, worst skater population. In fact, I wrote an op-ed when I was ten. You're gonna get us a <laughs> lot of got, enemies. I got called out for it. What was your op-ed about how skaters are fucking mean and they hang out at the library and they make fun of people? <laughs> I don't like it. I don't fucking like it. Now they're probably all millionaires, unfortunately. Yeah, they Skaters? are. Skaters? I don't know. Just like I, uh, I have nah, a buddy that's still a, doing what they were always nah, doing. Yeah, yeah. A big heroin problem in my town. So maybe not. Every town now, I feel like. I know. Right? I mean, my town, like my buddy. When I went home for Christmas this last time, I was like, I asked my friend, I was like, Hey, do you know where I can get some like fine weed? And my friend's like, No. He's like, But I can call like nine people and get you heroin. I'm like, It's <laughs> <I was> like. <laughs> I was like, first off, I don't even like, I don't even do the needle thing. Like, I just don't. No, 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 Just for the same. But it was so crazy. Like, like I mean, like half the people on my parents' street, like they're all like this, like all these older people are selling their like oxycodone through all this. It's like crazy. Like it's such a huge thing. I don't know if you know about this, but well, now by the time this comes out, it will have been a few weeks ago. But a recent, the DEA is keeping marijuana as a Schedule One drug. And it's a bunch of bullshit, and y'all yeah. should listen to Duncan Trussell's podcast yeah. because he's he's extremely eloquent about about it and how that's ridiculous and how a I'm sorry I can't no I bet he also has an Amazon banner too he probably does <laughs> but you don't don't do ours do ours Atlantic Transmission um, yeah Duncan Trussell is my spirit animal I love but, him he's great but no he's right the the well, reason why when they Class it like heroin. They sell it in the same places. Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to go down this road because I'm going to save this for another podcast in which I talk about, you know, how how uh, how the lizard people are trying to keep our consciousness yeah, limited. Because I seriously, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm all up in that. But um, yeah, marijuana is a plant that grows out of the earth as is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so and they're trying to put it in the opium. same category as this crazy lab invented shit that's meant to kill our brains. Marijuana... Cannabis is a cure for so many things. Mostly boredom. 
Well, I no, mean, but I mean, like, <laughs> no, I'm for, kidding. No, you know, you're right. I mean, yes, but I mean, for people who are seriously sick, um, you know, and whatever. Oh, I think the stuff that it's done for like people with like MS is unreal. No, exactly. Like, we, like, cause like, even if, even if that person was doing, if heroin was doing that, we should legalize it. Whatever's like yeah. making those people be able to live a normal life. That's like there's saying, no like, way you could like, you can't criminalize that. Seriously. That's there's, so shitty. And there's, there's ways to save the bees and, and help kids. Like kids that suffer from seizures, they smoke weed or they have marijuana and in, inject seizures or um yeah. for uh for nausea if you are getting you're not even radiation getting high. treatments. Yeah. No, because you just use the CBD oil. It yep. doesn't make you high. Yeah. It just takes away but the if pain. You, if you like, sort of uh, put it in honey too. You you have a bee colony and a dispensary in the same place. You're saving the bees and you're helping kids because yeah. they'll put it on their honey and then they'll not get nauseous after they're fucking. Or maybe no. bees won't be so aggressive either. They'll Seriously. probably be like, oh man, it's cool. bees, bees I know if I sting you, it's it for me. <laughs> it's crazy that you mentioned that because yesterday I was standing outside this the store. It's we have this creepy like um art studio on my on 30th Avenue in Astoria, and mm. there's so it's a lot of weird paintings in there, but there was this one picture outside of a little girl looking through a window that was filled with plants, and I was like staring at this picture because I'm like, I am that little girl and I need that painting and I love those plants. And all of a sudden a bee landed on my right shin. And it was just chill. It was like washing its little antenna, whatever it does, you know, it wasn't stinging me. It was just kind of like moving around and I was perfectly still. I didn't want to wave it away because that would cause it to sting. And it was like the gentlest and it's, it was there for a couple of seconds. And then it was like, all right, I'm out of here. You're way more mature than me. I just screamed and I just lost it. I hate flying things that sting. Well, I didn't, but it was so soft. It was kind of, it felt like a a little like pussy willow thing on my leg. It was just totally gentle. Pussy willow. (laughs) Anyway, I I have to thank you, Adele, because this is the first uh, podcast that we are venturing into that other land of my whole other, basically what I'm doing in my brain all day, every day, which is thinking about expanded consciousness and how, um, how, you know, there's a whole deep end that we're not accessing because it's not allowed. Yep. Um, my parents can't wait to listen, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> this will be the episode my parents start listening. No, neither of my parents even knows like what a podcast is, so it's fine. I neither. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> um, great, great. Um, well, let me, uh, let me leave you with a gift as we give to all of our guests. Oh, well. uh, gifts are uh, things that come out of my childhood home, which still exists in the same shape that it was, and there's lots and lots and lots of stuff there that my mom hasn't had the heart to throw away yet, so I like to give things away. And give them a new life to my guests. So I'm excited. Um, so uh, for you, I have. I hope you're as excited about this as I am. It is a <laughs> it is a Hill Valley High class ring from Back to the Future. No kidding. Um, and it'll probably be too small for any of your fingers, but um, maybe you can wear it on a chain around your neck. I might. Uh, the '90s are coming back. Got to get back in time. That's 1985. This is awesome. Yeah, isn't it? It actually looks exactly like. My actual Guilford High School. Well, that's what I thought ring. you were giving me. I'm like, wow, this is this is too this much. Is real, right? <laughs> no, no, but my high school ring looks just like that with like the green gem on it. But uh, thank you. This is this is actually really awesome. That's pretty cool. I'm right? big Back to the Future fan. Dun, 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 dun. Well, Adele, is there anything that you'd like to? Uh, knowing that this this airs uh, September 4th, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh... Or, or, or just for any time, your Twitter account or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you can follow me on Twitter at Infidel. Uh, the coolest Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, I think whenever, you know, Chronic Kitchen comes out, be sure to check that out. It should be out in like October, September. Oh, that's so amazing. I can't wait. I really, yeah. seriously, put me to work doing literally anything that you need. Oh, seriously. man, I'm going to... Patreon? I mean, come on. 
A what? Pa- Patreon? Patreon? I don't know if it's Patreon Patronus? or Patreon. A Patron- um, it's, a, it's, like a, it's a fundraising campaign that's like um, ongoing rather than like you, you, you get one big Indiegogo push. It's like um, oh. m- yeah, monthly yeah. donations. But unlike Trump's campaign, you can cancel your support. At, at <laughs> I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'll check that out. Yeah. Do check it. Check that out. Well, thanks for having me. This was a ton thanks of fun. For doing thanks it. Sir. Yeah. Adele Alizade, guys. Yeah. And um, that was great. Yeah, man. It's good times. He's, he's, he's slowly walking away. Um, no, <laughs> he, he, hang on. Uh, he closes all the lockers that have been wide open, you yep, know, as he yep, yep. slow motion down the hall, his Jankos sweeping behind him, sweeping <laughs> all the mothballs underneath him. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, producer Kent. Well, oh. guys, uh, this has been the bitch seat. Listen, subscribe, iTunes, Google Play, buy stuff on Amazon using um, the Atlantic Transmission banner. TheBitchSeatPodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at the underscore bitch underscore seat. Follow Lissa at... Uh, at, at, at Lissa is a person. Par- Lissa is a person. I thought it was listening party for a while. Anyway, it's it's changed. I'm still Phil Casal. And, uh, you know, treasure what got you here, guys. Yep. Make sure it's documented so you can come here. <laughs> Attention Springwood, my name is Josh Krebs. And I'm Liz Richards. And we're the hosts of Bloody Date Night. So Josh and I have been dating for four years, and Josh loves horror movies, and I hate him. Yeah, so each episode we go through the horror movie franchise canon to watch an episode and then meet up and we discuss it together. And so far it's been going pretty well, right Liz? I think it's gone pretty well so far. Yeah, each episode I try to see how far I can push Liz to watch a really good horror movie until she basically leaves me and it hasn't worked yet. Not yet. And it's awesome because you're the Tatum to my Sydney. You're sweet. And here's a clip from one of our recent episodes. Hello, I'm Exposition. Hey, let me, t- let me tell you what just happened. There's a break-in at this costume store. Somebody stole some ropes, some knives. Somebody stole a mask. They stole $250. <laughs> they scared a cat. They took two boas. They took two boas. Two feather boas, one uh, set of angel wings. It's one of those goddamn... They're probably having a burlesque. <laughs> probably doing a burlesque show later. I don't know. Oh, Haddonfield. What isn't happening? Haddonfield's first burlesque club. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I would love that. Um, the Lacey Pumpkin. The Lacey... Ooh. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!